Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this, the third episode of our great look at the SEND movement and uh, all that excitement that that brings into the world, not only for uh, young adults, 18 to 29, and the SEND work that's being done there in SEND North America, but also in the SEND work that's for leaders in churches that's delivered by DVD. And also, as we get into this presentation, as we look at this episode, we're going to talk about the SEND centers, looking at moving the ministry out of the church to reach unchurched people that might be hesitant to come to a church, which is what we need to do if we're going to reach unchurched church people that are hardcore second generation non-believers. And so uh, when I think about SEND, I think about this whole thinking outside the box, thinking outside the church box. I think about those young adults in SEND North America that are learning for 10 months and training and equipping to be missionaries. Changes their life. It's just unbelievable to see what happens to these young adults who are faithful, available, and teachable between the ages of 18 and 29. It's just amazing to look at SEND and the impact that God has on these young adults. Send is a mission to inspire young adults to go where, well, frankly, we have not, to do what we have not, to learn the mission that many of us have not, to reach those who we do not. Send is this great young adult movement to encourage young adults to risk to grow, to learn. SEND provides opportunities for young adults to immerse themselves in Christianity's future, and it's really exciting. They can practice mission in a low-risk environment, and it is just fantastic. Well, as we start today's episode, I want to just rehearse a little bit about our last episode. In the second episode, we heard from Tracy Swank, Tracy is the leader of Church Doctor Ministries, and she talked to us about how Send North America is impacting the Christian movement, equipping young adults to be missionaries in their own generation, on their own generation, and working on North America and even beyond. She shared with us about the great Send groups that are young adults that are involved in various ministries how the graduates have now moved out and are involved in all kinds of different ways to use their mission training and how they're in great demand for churches. She shared the vision about how this will grow and how any local church that can send a young adult to send and then they come back a second year and become a send leader, how any church could literally have their own send unit and how Church Doctrine Ministries would provide them all the materials at no cost. And then Tracy shared how older adults can be equipped in the SEND mission training through the DVD series called The Damascus Road, where Christians become missionaries to their unchurched friends. And wow, is that exciting. And so in this episode, we have the great opportunity to welcome John Hunter. How are you, John? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, it's great to be with you today, and you're kind of the instigator that God used. What a blessing it is. Tell us a little bit about your journey from the beginning, all the very exciting things that you've been able to do. Yeah, I graduated from DeKalb High School here in Indiana, and I didn't know what I wanted to do or what to study when I went off to college, and so I knew a little bit about criminal justice and I was excited about that. So I went to college and I just did a degree and I I went mostly just because of the opportunity to really to play football for my college. It was a division three school. And while I was there, I I did a lot of things. I got really involved with a fraternity there, became vice president of my fraternity, got really involved with again with football while I was there. 
And studying was interesting, but it wasn't really the main purpose of why I went to college. It was really smart spending all that money to go uh, there to do that. Yeah, well, that happens to a lot. And so going to college, I really didn't know what I wanted to study. And I got to the end of my degree and all of my friends were applying to go into jobs. And I did an internship right at the end of my college degree in my senior year. I did an internship and I found out that actually I really wasn't made for doing anything in the criminal justice system. I, I really didn't enjoy what I was doing. I mean, I have a lot of friends who, who went into it and a love who are police officers. They love what they do. They serve our country really well. But for me, it wasn't the right thing, and I knew it. And so I didn't know what I wanted to do after I graduated. I didn't go to church at all while I was at college. I really fell away from my faith while I was there, like so many young adults do in America. So many go off to college and don't find a home church, don't get stuck into a church, and don't have any kind of faith interaction. And that was me. That was the same case for me. And so I went the whole four years, and I really fell away from God while I was there. And one evening, I, I remember uh, the pressure was kind of coming up uh, towards the end of my senior year, and I realized I didn't have a plan for my life. I didn't like the direction it was going to. I became more involved in parties and things like that. And I didn't like where my life was really headed, and I had no plan or purpose. And I just, I prayed to God really for the first time in four years. And I'm not joking. The next day, I had an email from a pastor who I had met four years ago and a, a good friend of yours, his name's Mick Woodhead from Sheffield, England, who asked me to come over to a church there in Sheffield and to do a discipleship training course. And honestly, I thought, oh my gosh, this is God. He answers prayers really, really quickly. And I thought, if it isn't God, then I get to go all the way to England and I get to go spend a year in this discipleship training. And that'll be really cool, whether it's good or whether it's terrible. I'll get to go spend a whole year abroad and really go on an adventure. So I thought, well, I can't lose either way. So I took the chance. I sent out letters to everybody I knew. I raised my support and I couldn't believe it within two weeks of just sending out letters to people in my network, Christians. Uh, who are older than me, I raised more than enough to cover my expenses for the trip, my time of living there, and my course fees. And everything was completely covered. I guess people really thought I needed God in my life. That's what I'm really, I think people realize, yeah, he might really need this. Hey, well, you know, John, I think there are a lot of people in America today that if a young adult was thinking about sin and was willing to try that like you did for 10 months, I think Christian people would just come out of the woodwork to fund those people at so much a month for 10 months. I mean, I just think it's in our send young adults here in America. No one's ever had a huge challenge at raising the money. And so I think it's there, you know, God is in this and he was in it for you. Absolutely. Like people love giving to young adults, really want to invest into young adults. Churches are so generous to these guys. And so when I went over to do my discipleship training in England, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, and God absolutely blew my socks off. I think for the first time, I understood what it meant to be in a relationship with Jesus. I think it was the first time I wasn't just like a pilot light or kind of just mediocre with God. Like I think I always knew God in my head, but this was the first time that God really had lit my heart on fire. And a lot of that was to do with really the mission of the church. This church, if there's a ministry or a mission out there, um, this church does it. They were helping homeless people. They were doing 
nightclub outreach. They were helping all sorts of people across the whole city. And I just fell in love about how they were just being Jesus's hands and feet and also just telling people about God. And you could see this church was baptizing new people all the time. They were bold in their faith of sharing the good news about Jesus. And what I found is in my training, they were really open about just letting me ask hard questions about faith. And for me, I really discovered more about who I was in God. I was built up. I was encouraged in this tight-knit community who were on fire for Jesus. And I tell you what, like being around those other young adults who are on fire for God helped make me on fire for God. Like seeing their enthusiasm and their passion, I was like, man, these guys are really excited. And they really believe and put into practice what they believe. And I had never met a young adult or many adults in my entire life. I mean, I've met a handful of Christians here in the United States who I would say like, or like that, but these people were just on fire for Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with the church and it changed my complete direction of where I was going in my life. I knew from that moment on that I wanted to do ministry. I got involved in the college student ministry there. And I ended up doing that for six years. Um, I ended up taking over and leading that with one of my best friends. We led the college ministry there and it was the largest in all of Europe. It ended up being one of the largest, not anything by I did, but that God was doing something extraordinary through the people of that church, reaching people for God. It was awesome. I remember that after you had done this and you're working at the church, you were in student ministry. So the students get Christmas break and you got Christmas break. Unusual for a person that works at a church, but because you're working with students uh, away from the church as an evangelist and reaching young adults like that, because they had a break, you had a break, and you got to come home. And I remember a fateful day when God was working overtime on us. We went to church at our home church here where you were an intercontinental guest for the <laughs> for the day for all these people that supported you and many of them. And after Bible class and then after church, we went to Pizza Hut. Talk about what happened there. Well, we were at Pizza Hut with dad and I can't remember. I think mom was sick or something like that. And it was just the two of us that headed to church uh, while I was home for Christmas break. And we got to talking and all of a sudden it was just like I had this vision from God. Like it was this picture of what I did in Sheffield here in America. And it was so difficult for me to go over. All the visas were really complicated and it was really expensive for me to do all of that stuff. The training was second to none. And I was like, well, why can't this be here? And so we got to talk and, and we just had one idea after another. And soon enough, we had this idea to launch the same training with Church Doctor Ministries called Send North America right here in Northeast Indiana. Yeah, that was uh, really a moment, all right. And I was all in right from the beginning. I could, God was all over that conversation without any question. And you know, that was a wonderful time to see you for a while, John, at Christmas time. We're such a close family, and I know mom and I were just glad to see you and the rest of our family. But then you were off back to go to England, and we were there with this little challenge that you gave us to start Send North America, you know? And oh my goodness, the time after that, we had money to raise all the curriculum to develop. I mean, it was just a, a huge task and it took a few years. I got to say those people over in England that did the discipleship course that you were in, they were like 
so helpful. They were just so generous. They gave us all the stuff that they used. They coached us, encouraged us. They prayed for us. It was the spirit that you just described about that whole church, that whole movement over there. And we're going to talk about that movement a little bit more later about that movement in England because it's still going on. And we take people over there. We take a group no more than 14 people a year, pastors and church leaders. Every year we've gone there now for the last 18 years. And it's still every time I go, I learn something new because they're always growing in that movement. And they're about 20 years ahead of the United States. So it's like a classroom for the future. And I love it. I want to just expand a little bit and and just talk just a little bit about research study by the Pew Research Organization that just came out June 2018. And they took a look at people in 46 countries around the world, and they segmented two groups, people under 39 years old, which is a little older than Send North America for Young Adults, but that younger group, 39 and younger, and then people 40 or older, and they asked them how important religion is to you. Now, they didn't go into Christianity because some places they were looking at people that have other religions, but they just wanted to get a handle on this receptivity to religion in general. Anyway, it was just fascinating because they asked the question, how many say it's very important? Then they took a rating of those 39 and under and those 40 and above, and they paired the answers of very important next to each other, and then they scored the difference, how many points different. And it was just really interesting because total all over the world, 51% of the young adults still say religion is, quote, very important, end quote. Now, in the U.S., those young adults between 18 and 39, it was 43% say religion is very important. So it was quite a bit less than the world average, which is kind of interesting. And 60% of the group said that it was very important of the older people. And so there was a 17% gap between the 18 to 39-year-olds and the 40 and above older people. And what's interesting is that's a larger gap in the world. It's more than Canada. It's more than Latin America. It's more than Europe, the Middle East, North Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa. It's more than Asia. It just surprised me. And so, John, from your experience, both in England and here in the United States, what do you think that gap here is in the U.S. of all places in the world where churches have so much material possession, all the gimmicks and gadgets and technology and all that stuff that so many people in a lot of these places in the world couldn't even dream about? And why is that gap so big here? Do you have any ideas? Well, I think part of it is exactly what you said is that that people have all of these things and, and, and they look at the reason like, why do I need God in my life? I think as well is that it doesn't start with just the young adult, but it starts with the parents. I think that it, it starts with the parents' faith. It starts with the discipleship of their children. You know, is faith important to the parents? Are they bringing their children to church? Are they making church part of their weekly rhythms? Are they encouraging their kids to go to youth group? And I think that just as in England or in Canada, a lot of places are becoming more atheistic. A lot of people have either been burned by the church or they don't see a need for God or they think that science has replaced that. I think also the church hasn't responded in the best way always, and in some of that has been either not answering people's questions, not maybe 
in answering them been more aggressive or kind of making people feel bad for asking questions about God and faith and how that all works with science rather than just loving people and letting them ask the questions and and kind of helping people to explore more about God. And one of the things I've never understood is, you know, the church pours, you know, so much time and resources into youth groups and then they have young adult groups. But really, there's a key missing link where there's not a lot of discipleship in churches. There's a lot of parachurch groups for college students, but there's not a lot of groups that are really going after college students. And really, they're completely different people groups, just as you would have your own youth group and you'd have your own young adult group. And that's great. But we try to group college students kind of either into the youth or we try to group them into young adults. And really, they're completely different. They have completely different habits. They are completely different people. And I think it's really been important. And the church that I was in, in in Sheffield, really made this a point to create a place of belonging, really an own identity, like a youth group, but for college students, because they stay up late, they go to class not until like 10, 11 p.m., and they have completely different time schedules of what the things they like to do and everything. And the church was really successful at creating a place where people could come and ask questions about God and just love people no matter what. And that's what I've seen that's maybe something that's lacking in the United States where the church in Sheffield was really doing great work in. You know, that's really a great point. It just seems like the church in America just hasn't adapted to new generations who are very different than older generations. Not adapted uh, what they believe, but adapt the delivery systems of what we believe about Jesus and what the Bible teaches. And there's no place better to see this than England. I'll go back to there for a minute since you mentioned that. You know, the world-renowned genius, Peter Brierley, who's a statistician and just an incredible person and a great friend. We visit him every year. We go over there and take our groups to sit under his feet in his living room, actually. And it's just amazing what he understands. But he collects this statistic information from all over the world, just like the Pew Research people. His most recent information that we learned this last year was that only 4% of the people in England say that they go to church at all. And that's in such a contrast to the church you just described. And we've learned that there are other churches. There are hundreds of churches. We visit several of them when we go there. Hundreds of churches that are just totally dramatically different in their delivery system and style than these others that are absolutely dying. Empty cathedrals or whatever. And you were part of that, and uh, you saw that great big difference between those churches that get it and those that don't. And so from what you've seen, what you've learned, and what you've lived over there, what does the church do here in America to reach these young adults? Obviously, Send North America would be one of those things, but do you have some other thoughts about that? Yeah, I think the first thing is to believe that you can do it and making a difference, going out and stepping out in faith saying yes, and taking a stand say, yes, I want to reach young adults for God. I think it's, you know, sharing the good news and believing that the good news of Jesus really does work, that this is an important message for young adults, and young adults can find new faith. And, you know, I think that's talking with universities about what are the needs for young adults, talking with high schools, building up relationships with them. Yeah, it's a little bit harder than in the past. You can't just always go in at lunchtime, but there are still needs to be met within the high schools and within colleges, and young adults are some of the loneliest people out there. They spend all their time on social media. They've developed an anxiety of a fear of missing out. They have incredible anxiety about what they're going to do in life, and really what they're missing is real, authentic relationships. If you want to reach young adults, 
go for it. Talk to the young adults in your church, the ones that you're related to. Start with them and say, how are we going to reach young adults? Listen to their ideas about what are their needs and then put it into practice. You know, and I think about my own life. When I was a young adult, I wouldn't change much if I did life over again. But the one thing is if I could do something like send when I was available, not married yet, not tied down, and I could just spend that 10 months, it would have just had such an impact on my life. I could have learned so much about how to share the faith and inspire people to do the same. And I just can't imagine with the contagious spirit of these young adults, if the church had a send young adult among them, whether they were on staff or just a member of the church. Absolutely, it's an infectious thing. It had just spread. I mean, you can hear it in your voice. You can see it with these young adults, and it just catches. Now, I want to go a little bit beyond Send for Young Adults, 18 to 29, and then also the Send DVDs, the Damascus Road DVDs for the adults who can't go do Send for 10 months. They got kids and a mortgage and a job and all that stuff, but they can do these DVDs and learn at least the mission things, the outreach things, the missionary things that the young adults learn. But then there's this next step of the Send movement now, which is uh, really moving out of the church box and starting uh, ministries with people who have faith to reach people, but to bring them into a setting that they're not ready for like the church, but a setting that they are ready for like a home. And so beyond all of these other elements of SEND, we have this SEND Center idea. And now I know you're a busy guy. My goodness, you do some recruiting for SEND. You are working as an intern at a church. You're going to seminary on an accelerated process. And in addition to all of that, you have what we might call one of these SEND centers in your home where you've reached out some young adults who were not practicing Christians before. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Esther and I, we are evangelists. My wife Esther and I, we've always wanted to open up our home to people who aren't much involved in their faith or people who don't have any faith at all. And so, yeah, we had the heart just to reach it. We moved down to Fort Wayne, Indiana, 30 minutes away from where my core family lives to do this. And it was a step of faith. We said, yes, we're going to do it. We moved right next to the local college there. And we started by just inviting people to do Alpha. Alpha is a video series of interactive sessions where it involves food, a short video about the Christian faith, and then a time to ask questions about God, faith, and life. And we just gave that space to that, and we had seven friends come the first time. We did it again the following year, and we started to have 25 people come along. And every time that we finished the course, we were like, um, okay, we'd like to have our home back. And people were like, what are you talking about? We don't want to stop meeting. Like, we want to keep going deeper with God. We want to continue to grow together. And, you know, it just started with a simple meal, and we had a glass of wine uh, when we met. And now this is becoming actually a, a church plant for us. We're planning on launching in 2019, and we're actually calling going to call our church water to wine. It comes from Jesus's first miracle. And really what it's about is, yes, we started with just a group of friends, people that we knew in our social network that we wanted to reach. But really, we love it because just as Jesus turned water into wine, he takes something very ordinary like us, and he wants to make it into something extraordinary. And so we're reaching a lot of people 30 and below, and we've got our house full every single week. And yeah, we're looking that we want to reach more people this way. And it's been just really fun, exciting, and just awesome to see people who had, you know, no interest in faith, just really on fire for Jesus. 
That really is out of the church box. I think of so many people that are unchurched in America of all ages, not just younger people, but people have been away from the church maybe forever or maybe for decades. And, you know, the old and out-of-date approach was invite somebody to church. But that big building is intimidating to people, and it's a lot easier to say, hey, I got some friends that would get together at a home, and we take a look at Christianity, and they got DVDs and food and stuff like that, and hey, you know, how would you like to come along with my wife and I and join us, and we'll go to this house. So the vision for Sin Centers is to really see a church that has people that are pioneering and mission-oriented. Maybe they've gone through the DVDs. Maybe they've gone through Send as a young adult and then start these extensions of the church in homes and invite people to that. They're still part of the big church, but, you know, I could envision a church of 200 having 300 people in network homes across the community and beyond of all part of that church. Do you think that's viable? I mean, what are you going to do when you get to more people and you can cram into your house? We're just going to multiply it and be two or three households. Our goal isn't to get a church building yet. Um, So we're actually, you know, we're not going that. That's a lot of overhead to pay. And once you start a Sunday service, you got to keep that going. Nowadays, you're not promised just because you start up, you can have the coolest shopping center church or do it in um, a really cool building or whatever, but you're not guaranteed that anybody's going to come and want to join your church on a Sunday morning. Non-Christian people are not thinking about that at all. Um, You know, oh, they're not sitting on the coffee shop on Sunday morning thinking, oh yeah, you hear about that new church plant? I think I'm going to go try that out. No way. But if someone, you know, invites them into their home, shares a meal, builds a relationship with them, and it comes from a friend, a work colleague, a family member who just deeply loves that person and wants to give them a chance to explore faith, then yes, I think that people are looking for a way of belonging and believing that way. Yep, just like Christianity grew right from the beginning, all about relationships and networking with people you already know who are not yet close to God. Just an awesome story, John. We wish you all the best. You know, uh, as we continue these episodes, you won't want to miss the next one because we will be actually interviewing some of the young adults that are in Send North America, these 19 to 28-year-old, 29-year-old young adults. And uh, boy, you don't want to miss this one. God bless you and think out of the church box. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you like this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. To learn more about SEND, visit www.sendnorthamerica.com. Also, check out Kent's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.